And welcome back to another Pogo podcast, where we expose government corruption and explore solutions. I am Ari Goldberg. Okay, imagine this scenario. You're a congressional staffer, either working for a senator or a congressman, researching policy, meeting with constituents, writing legislation, and doing any number of things that a typical employee does. But when you get your paycheck, it's signed by an industry trade group or another outside organization with a special interest in influencing Congress. If this sounds like the fantasy of every lobbyist in Washington, it is. Surely this kind of thing cannot be happening, but it is. And joining me now to explain further is POGO investigator Lydia Dennett, who just published a blockbuster report about something called Congressional Fellowships. Hello, Lydia. Hi, Ari. Okay, can you tell us what the Congressional Fellowship Program is all about? Absolutely. So this is a program that allows both senators and members to have fellows in their office who are paid for by a third party. So that's not uh, people who are on detail from a government agency. There are people who are paid for by private corporations, trade organizations, as you said, universities or foundations. Um, and it's typically an educational program, so these fellows are most often there for a year, and they are in the middle of their careers, and they're trying to sort of understand the legislative process better. you have an example of, uh, of somebody who may have been representing a conflict of interest? Yeah, absolutely. So for this report, we reviewed thousands of records um, and found several examples of these fellowships that presented at least the appearance of a conflict of interest. So one example is uh, a guy named Peter Winokur, who in 2001 was working in Senator Harry Reid's office. Um, he would ultimately spend about four years in the senator's office and become the senator's energy and transportation advisor. But that entire time, he was paid $120,000 by the Institute of Electrical and Electronic Engineers. $120,000 a year. A year, yes. Oh, that was his annual salary. Yes. Uh -huh. um, by this trade group whose sort of stated goal is to influence policies to better serve their members. So so by day, he was like a congressional staffer, and by night, he was uh, on the payroll of industry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he would literally spend all day working in the senator's office on legislation that directly affected the industry he was coming from, and then he would go home and check his email from that industry at night. Uh -huh. So he very clearly sort of had uh, a foot in each door. Uh -huh. Or a finger in each pie, depending on whatever pie. idiom or metaphor you want to use. So, <laughs> you know, f full disclosure here, um, when I first came to D.C. in 2003, I was a congressional fellow with the American Political Science Association. Uh, as a young journalist, the idea was that this organization wanted to expose us to the inner workings of Congress through direct, uh, you know, through, through direct uh, exposure to, to Capitol Hill. What's wrong with that? There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And in fact, we found several examples of the fellowship program working exactly as it should to provide an educational experience for the fellows and to provide some very knowledgeable experts for members who you know need these people on their staff. But the problem is that there isn't a, uh, a clear way for the, the public and um, places like the Senate Ethics Committee or the House Ethics Committee to determine if there are very clear conflicts of interest. And so this program could be being abused by industry, and we don't know. 
So what you're saying is it's even more insidious because we all know about uh, campaign finance and gifts and dinners and, you know, and, and, and golf junkets. But this is, like you said, actually embedding somebody on their staff day after day to work with them to, in many cases, actually write legislation that's favorable to them. That's outrageous. Exactly. And all those things are very closely regulated and, uh, and monitored. But this program is just sort of left open to be uh, exploited by whoever. And I will say that many times the, the sponsors of these fellowship programs are foundations or universities uh, who don't necessarily have a policy agenda. But there are those groups that, that certainly do and could be taking advantage. So let's talk about what rules there are to prevent conflicts of interest. Sure. So in both the Senate and the House Ethics Manual, uh, they very clearly state that these fellowships are allowed but cannot even present even the appearance of a conflict of interest. On the Senate side, that means that they are the fellows are required to file forms agreeing to comply with the Senate Code of Official Conduct, which are then filed with the Senate Office of Public Records, and the public can review them. Uh, additionally, their supervisors have to file reports saying who is paying their salary and how much. So it's very sort of transparent on the Senate side. On the House side, there are no disclosure requirements, and it's completely a mystery how they would determine if there are conflict of interest issues. Wow, so there's no rules on the House side? None. So we don't have any idea about how many fellows there are, which offices they're in, who's paying, who's paying their salaries... Exactly. And in fact, we found that even on the Senate side, there was a rampant lack of compliance with these disclosure requirements. And we found evidence to suggest that uh, several fellows were not filing as they should be. Mm, so that, even the disclosure there was spotty. Which explains maybe how Peter Winokur worked on Reed staff for four years. Right. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke with your colleague uh, Mia Steinley about uh, the federal coal program and how when it comes to royalties, the, the, the federal government kind of assumes that companies are going to be on the honor program and pay what they owe taxpayers. This seems to be another example of the government just leaving taxpayers in the dark and assuming that people will work according to some sort of honor code. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Uh, essentially, on the House, that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, they're just sort of hoping that... Uh, you know, members and their staff are aware enough to ensure that these fellows aren't working on anything that could present the appearance of a conflict of interest. But there's no sort of check or balance to uh, make sure that that's actually the case. And on the Senate side, obviously, there are similar problems. <laughs> uh -huh. On the Senate side, there are rules in place. But like you said, there's no way to know if they're going to be enforced or if the if, if information is going to be disclosed. Right, exactly. And there's no sort of punishment if the information is not disclosed. Uh huh. There's no teeth. Right. Exactly. Do, you have, do you have other examples of uh, of specific fellows who may have been representing a conflict of interest? Yeah. So, for example, uh, we found one fellow who was uh, just this year on the Senate Committee on Energy and Natural Resources. She was sponsored by Sandia National Lab, which uh, is a nuclear laboratory. So was she working on the committee that actually funded that lab? So they are not responsible for funding the lab, but they do have jurisdiction over policy that affects the lab. So she was working on the Energy Policy Modernization Act of 2016, which would have directly affected Sandia National Laboratory. So we, it's impossible to know if she was 
working on the specific parts of that, you know, huge bill that would have affected the lab. But it certainly gives the appearance of a conflict of interest. Uh huh. So you mentioned that there are some positives to the program. Um, so I, I take it that Pogo is not advocating that this program be shut down entirely. Like, what is our advocacy agenda when it comes to this uh, this issue? Yeah, absolutely not. As as you say, the the fellowships can be a really useful thing. We just want to make sure that there's uh, enough disclosure and transparency to be sure that the program is being used appropriately. So our our number one sort of uh, push is to encourage the House to adopt a rule similar to the Senate. So uh, they would require the disclosure of uh, who is actually on the staff being paid for by a third party, uh, who is paying their salary, and how much. Uh, But we'd also like to see both the Senate and the House have a little bit more oversight over this program and really ensure that there aren't obvious conflicts of interest problems. Mm. So there are 535 congressional offices. Right now, in those offices, do we have any idea how many fellows are embedded on their staffs? It's truly impossible to know. We reviewed about uh, just over 2,000 records, Senate records, going back to uh, the early 80s. But we found evidence to suggest that there were many more fellows than that. For example, just looking at the um, Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers, they keep a, an alumni list of everyone who has uh, served as a fellow for them. And we found that um, a little under 50% of their listed alumni were fellows in Senate offices. But of those, 76% did not file any documentation with the Senate Office of Public Records. Wow. Sort of leads us to believe that there are a lot of holes. Right. And that's on the Senate side where there are rules. And like you said, on the House side, it's a complete uh, black hole. It's a mystery. Exactly. So thanks for breaking this down for us, Lydia. Um, we will surely be hearing more about this program going forward. Yes. Thank you for having me. We are the Project on Government Oversight, exposing corruption and exploring solutions. This Pogo podcast was produced by Yulia Giorgio and Hallie Zander. It features the music of Bombadil. For more, visit pogo.org and check us out on Twitter and Facebook.